Welcome to Lessons from the Trenches. My name is Brad Cook, and I'm your host. I'm on a mission to talk with as many people as I can. I believe there are powerful and meaningful lessons from those in the trenches. Thank you for joining me on this journey as we talk with people from all types of businesses and in every role. So if you're ready, let's get into the trenches. So welcome today, everyone. I am super fortunate to have with us today, Daryl Hughes from DF Hughes Design and Build. Uh, hopefully today we get a chance to peek inside the mind of a, of a builder and maybe even take away a few shortcuts on things that we can do if we ever find ourselves there. So Daryl, appreciate you stopping by. Appreciate the invitation. DF Hughes Design and Build. How long have you been doing that? Uh, 26 years. 26 years this year. And if I'm not mistaken, you have an engineering background? Correct. Bridges? Yes. A lot of bridge work, uh, a lot of hydraulic work. Uh, just uh, from a civil perspective, we've been involved in just about every part of it. I'm a homeowner and I'm having you make my home better. It's good to know that you, you can build big things or you have a history of building big, important things. So the house isn't going to fall down. We hope not. Yeah, that's probably the, uh, that's what we're headed anyway. So, how many kids do you have? Three, three boys, girls, all boys, all boys, very much all boys. So, any sports as kids? Uh, yes, all of them were, were athletes or, or dentists. Uh, one of them still still participating. We have two in college. They played baseball in college. Uh, the youngest one is uh, switched over to track now, so uh, he's a, a javelin thrower. No. So javelin and shot put are, are those, at least in my mind, those, those they get no airtime. So you don't ever, like if you watch the Olympics, you, you, unless it's the decathlon, uh, do you get a chance to see anything. But what a, what a cool way to get to the Olympics. I get to throw something really far. And it is amazing. The, uh, he actually had the opportunity to, to meet one of the Olympians uh, who trained here in, um, in Birmingham and uh, went to the Olympics this past summer. So he, he actually got to attend some of his workshops and pick up a few tips from him. It's just amazing that you can take an object like that and throw it that far. Um, and we actually, going to, to your point about uh, don't get a lot of airtime with that, you know, I think they can actually make it more entertaining to be actually with throwing at something to, uh, you know, to, to spear an elk or something like that. And actually might be much more entertaining, but for some people anyway, um, they don't do it that way. You could always get a rowdy fan to run across the field and, you know, if you get, you, you get a gold medal, if you, I don't know. That's right. That's don't try that at home, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so go back in time. How, how did you get started, uh, in civil engineering? I mean, as a youth, were you playing with, uh, rector sets? What was that draw? Actually, uh, did not know what direction I wanted to go. And, uh, in fact, actually I was about, uh, 11 or 12 and was playing in the backyard one day. And my dad called me in Saturday afternoon. Uh, I said, Hey, I want you to watch this, this TV show, um, for a few minutes. And, uh, you know, it, it's like, well, what, you know, it, I was one of those kids who wanted to be outside, not in, uh, but he insisted that I watch it. And it was actually a documentary on civil engineering. And, uh, I mean, his, 
request or, or his question to me was you or my his direction reaction was come in i want you to i want you to learn about being an engineer the only engineer i knew about that point was a, a railroad engineer why would i want to ride a train group all my life so uh found out it's much different than that. so we watched the program found an interest in it then i was like in the high school started to look at it a little bit more closely um and and wanted the thing that, that the documentary actually exposed was that the, the civil engineers were involved in construction, and they are, but not as much as it was portrayed uh, from the documentary. So, and at that time, as there are now programs all over uh, the, the major technical canvases, they have the um, building science curriculum uh, that wasn't available back then. So mm. I took the civil engineering route and... Uh, that brought me into the action and managed to get work my way into the construction side of it. So you ever talk to your dad or did, um, and understand what was it that drew him to have you come in there and, you know, why, why engineering? He, was he an engineer? He was not, he was, uh, with, but at least by not, not by education. He was an electronics expert. Uh, had been trained in the military. He was a career military guy. Uh, so he understood the, um, the importance of having, um, a solid education that he had not had the opportunity to, to gain. Uh, and that was the one thing about him, uh, for both my sister and I, I don't really care what you, what you major in, you're going to college and that, that, mm. that, that that's the way it is. Now, we're talking a number of years ago and things are a little different now, but um, that was his one requirement. So uh, he gave me, he kind of planted the seed or played a role in that. And that's the way I decided to go. Gotcha. What about your uh, sister? What path does she go in? She went the physical education route. So she was a long-time PE teacher and coach for about 30, almost 35 years. Wow. You played some ball as a youth, didn't you? Some baseball? I did, I did play. I was a baseball guy. And I'm just a baseball nut. So um, my kids didn't have a chance. They had to play uh, if they were going to live at home. So I, I yeah. never, yeah. I, I never forget the look on my dad's face. Um, I think he had high hopes for my brother and I. He pitched at Michigan um, and he was being recruited or uh, by the Red Sox yeah. and ended up hurting his, uh, it wasn't Tommy John, but I, he did something to his arm and, you know, that sort of ends it there. But I remember as a kid, um, it was the first year that the kids started pitching. It wasn't the, the, the dad's pitching to you. So it was, I was a little guy and I could not get out of the batter's box. The ball comes, it's coming right at my head. I froze. Right. And I got tired of getting hit. And I just remember after one of the games on the drive home, it's like, dad, I don't want to play anymore. And just like you could see, he was hoping that one of his two boys would, would really take to baseball because that was his love. Um, yeah. yeah. Sorry, dad. Let yeah. you down. <laughs> From that point, I was, I was very fortunate in the mind. Did, I had a love for it, still do, uh, and was able to, to coach them and, and help them to, to go to, to the, uh, the lengths that they did. So a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Just uh, cherish those days of both on the coaching side. Mm. Yeah. So over the course of your career, 
has anybody showed up in your life as a mentor? Is there, you know, someone maybe earlier, it was a boss, maybe it was your father, maybe it was someone, but, um, does that resonate with you? I mean, is there anybody in your life you can speak to? Actually, purely on the construction side, no, I did have the opportunity to, to work for two gentlemen early in my career that, that really shaped what I was going to be and the direction I was going. Um, that really kind of brought me out of my shell, so to speak. They, uh, but I never really considered them the mentors. Uh, I do a lot of reading. And if I, if I have a question about something, generally I found that if you search in the right places, somebody's encountered that, that situation themselves and right. they've written about it. Uh, so I've used that as a resource to actually get me through those things that I really wasn't sure about how to do something. Uh, but no one that I would just point to and say that was definitely, or he or she was a, a mentor to me. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so what, what do you think the biggest misconception the general public has with builders? And maybe you can, before you answer that, just, uh, talk a little bit about the type of building that you do. Uh, do you build homes from the ground up or are you adding on, you're doing remodels, renovations, maybe you could just kind of share that and then turn to the answer. Okay. Well, we do 100% remodel work. We, uh, we started out many, many years ago building spec homes uh, and, and loved that process, but, but moved away from it uh, just because did not like the business model. Um, so the remodeling side of it, uh, the, the, the biggest misconception that I can see, and I've noticed this for a long, long time, is actually one of the reasons I did not want to do remodeling is that there's this idea that it has to be chaos, it has to be dirty, it has to be non-professional, and it has to just be a horrible experience for the homeowner. Um, everybody has a builder story, and most of them are not good. Uh, and nothing could really be further from the truth. Um, since uh, in about two, three years in, did took on my first remodeling project and decided that's the direction I want to go. Immediately, it was, it was like, this is where I want to be for all kinds of reasons. and going in that direction, I realized that if, if you can make it and yet our whole line of thinking has been to make it an enjoyable and professional experience for the homeowner, uh, and the way that we do it, the number of ways that we go about doing that and setting it up, knowing for ourselves, but the whole idea is to give them a positive experience that they will remember from, from then on. Yeah, I want to come back to that in a minute because I think that's that's one of the big things that um, that, that separates your firm from you know Tom Decker Harry's company down the road um, when it comes to, to to doing remodels. And I can I I got a builder story. I can tell you we we added on a um, a couple of bedrooms at a house in Florida, and um, to say that there were surprises and twists and turns would be a far understatement. Um, but I could tell you that had the builder managed my wife and I better, regardless of some of the things that came up that you just can't control, uh, I think the process, I, we certainly would have walked away a little, um, a, a little more pleased than we did. So I, I have to believe that 
when you're talking to a homeowner and they've got this vision, they've got, you know, I want to, I want to change this room or I want to redo this. They've got this vision. How difficult is it to take that and turn it into something that they go, yes, that's it. Like, are you, is there ever a struggle to make that connection? Generally not. If you go about it and ask the right questions in the initial conversation, uh, and that's critical because a lot of times people know what they want to do. They just may not be sure why they want to do it. And if you, if we can uncover and back into the why they're doing what they're doing, then that can sometimes uncovers all sorts of things that we could do that would make it even better. And it might actually take them away from your initial idea because that may not be a financially feasible idea. But generally we can, by asking the proper questions, we can get to the core of that fairly quickly and then start to really burrow down into what they want to do. Mm. Right. Uh, sometimes you don't know what you, what you don't know, or you don't know what you want, right? Until someone starts, uh, painting the picture of it and then you can start to visualize for us, um, some, something very similar, you know, we thought we wanted two rooms like this. And then, um, once the builders started talking about the roof line and the right way to tie it in would give us an opportunity to have crawl space over here that we didn't even know. And, um, so the, yeah, I can see there's definitely opportunities for, for you to, to add tremendous value. Um, this is kind of a loaded question. Um, the last two years have been, I'm guessing not easy <laughs> in <laughs> your business. Um, you know, eat people are stuck in their homes. So a lot of them aren't looking to renovate. Maybe now that they've been in their homes for a couple of years, that's starting to pick up. Like they're tired of looking at the same rooms the same way. But there's definitely some supply chain issues. How's it been for you for the last couple of years in your business? Well, you framed it well. It, it, it has been tough. Actually, coming out of 2020, I thought that we had, had dodged all the, the big bullets. As it turns out, early in 2021, we realized that, no, we hadn't gotten past some of the, the major issues. It was just that they hadn't caught up with us yet hmm. and they, and they did catch up with us. So, um, the first, really the first two quarters of 2021 were very, very difficult in getting what we needed when we needed it. Um, it has eased up a little bit now and we do, we are starting to see some changes, but, but what we're also seeing are some of the things that it initially was on the big things, the big items, the cabinets, that sort of thing the lumber issue, obviously, uh, which really wasn't a shortage issue. Um, but the, now it's turning out to be the smaller things, things you aren't expecting. Um, we have a situation right now, we have a shortage on our backwater situation on elbows for a particular type of fireplace we're trying to install. And we can't close anything up until we get those elbows, um, which is pretty much shut everything down. So, uh, it's those types of things just driving nuts, but. You know, if, if, if anything, we've learned to roll with it. We've learned to anticipate a little bit more. Uh, and it's changed the process that we go about before we actually launch a project to, to as best we can make certain that we've actually procured everything and have it in our possession 
before starting to do demolition work on somebody's home. Uh, we can't do that on everything, but on, on many of the major things that we are expecting issues, we have started taking that. That's, yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Cause I, yeah, I would think that as soon as the project is, you know, the order signed and the, uh, the, the blueprints are agreed upon that you want to get subs in there, start moving things around as, as soon as you can, um, subs or your crews. I'm not sure if you, if you use subs. Yeah, to, to think that in a in, in my background as a manufacturing business, uh, you can't start printing until you get the paper and the ink and the other things. So now to hear that, you know what's going on in the world is is really kind of forced you guys to think about things a little differently. Is definitely interesting. Yeah, and then and particularly when a big a big part of our process is establishing a start date and then a completion date and hitting that well over 98% of the time. That has proven to be a very big challenge in this environment. So we've gotten, we've had to get much more definitive about what we're going to do, when we're going to start and thereby making, minimizing as best we can, mm-hmm. uh, watching issues, uh, you know, for, uh, of course in, in, in the latter part of 2020, when the, the issue was in that it was, it wasn't so much for watching any issues as it was just trying to keep everybody healthy. Uh, and if, 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 the, if we did have a, a breakout, uh, in a particular area, um, for individual, then we had to isolate that and change and go in a different direction or even homeowners if they had situations where they COVID would enter their home, they said, you know, don't come, we don't want you here, which is perfectly understandable. We didn't want to be there. Uh, so that's the kind of things we dealt with, but, uh, it, uh, it has been, let's just say challenge. Do you see that? Is it opening up now? It is, it is just, uh, other than just the, the things that, that, and it may be a lot of the supply chain issues are still there. It's just that we, we were, we're adapting, um, you know, where we were looking at a lead time of typically three and a half weeks on cabinets. Now we're dealing with eight to 10 weeks. So we can, we just adjust to that. It's not the way we want it. It's not the way our homeowners, our clients want it. It's just the way that we have to do it. So with that in mind, and we, we, all the experts say that we, that we, that we listen to appears that we're by 2022, maybe this time next year, if everything stays on the track that it's on, that we should really be getting back to somewhat of a, of a norm, if you will. And now to say that things are going to go back to the way they were. Pre-COVID, there's some questions about that, but for the most part, we are hoping that it's continuing to improve throughout the um, mm. end of this quarter and into next year. So for you, as you plan your business, I mean, do you see, is it flat? Is it uh, growth? Do you see opportunity in the market right now? Oh, very strong opportunity. The, uh, our growth this year has been uh, much better than we expected. Uh, and we could have, and it's, it's a little frustrating because we could have done even so much better if we had that supply chain issue. Mm. So we're expecting 2022 to be, uh, at least this good, if not better. So does the supply issues, did you change, um, vendors for some of the materials? Did you have to relook at who you were buying stuff from? Unfortunately, yes. Uh, we, we don't make changes frequently with, uh, any of our subs or our suppliers. Uh, we, we have spent years 
finding the, the people that we like to work with for all sorts of reasons. They know how we operate. We know how they operate. We know the quality they provide. And so that's a, that's a big decision for us. Um, but unfortunately, because of some of, of the manufacturers not being able to supply them product when we needed it, then we have to go look for other options to satisfy our obligations to our clients. Uh, so we have had to make some changes there. Mm, yeah. Well, you gotta, you gotta do what you do to keep your, your customers happy, right? At the end of the day, and the homeowner probably appreciates the fact that you stick with vendors year after year, but more appreciates the fact that the cabinets will be there closer to the time that, uh, everyone wanted them to. So, yeah, that's, uh, can you share a time? So two, two different questions. Um, the first question is, I, I, I know, and I should just say for the folks, uh, listening, Daryl and I know each other from BNI. That's how we met uh, part of a local networking group. And, uh, every week we get a chance to, to share stories about our business. And the, one of the consistent themes I hear from you is just how uh, your company, your employees go the extra mile, uh, with, with your clients. And, and maybe today it's, it's having to change directions on suppliers to improve a date. You know, you went above and beyond to do this. Maybe you're personally driving to Atlanta to pick up something. I don't know, but I know that, that that's one of the things that, uh, anyone that spends five minutes with you is going to, is going to take away. That, that you guys really do go the extra miles. Is there a time that you can think of that you were like, holy crap, I can't believe we did that. Like, you, you know, you really knocked it out of the park and you did something crazy. Well, every, going back to my, uh, one of my comments earlier, I mean, our goal was to make every client that we have satisfied with the experience. Or we, we, we deal in, a, whether people realize it or not, this is a service oriented business. Certainly people will remember the product and they will, they will talk about the product in a positive manner that they have their new kitchen and new bathroom, whatever case may be, but they're going to remember and talk even more loudly about the service, the things that did or didn't happen in the process. So from that perspective, every client that we have, we, we go into it with that intent to actually try and, and meet our, at least define what our expectations are for them and then meet or exceed those. Uh, we did have a situation a number of years ago where, um, uh, in the midst of a, of a design, the owners learned that they were expecting a fourth child. Uh, and the whole reason we were there was to built around the fact they had three, uh, three growing children. They just didn't, didn't have enough space. And, uh, so in the midst of this design, as we are getting within, we're within 80% of completing the design. They said, oh, guess what? We had a little surprise and now we've got to put everything on hold to determine what the, the sex of the child is going to be. And so that meant we had to wait about uh, another eight to 10 weeks to, to know that and had to just bring everything to close. And then, so as soon as they found out what that was, sure enough, it changed the direction we were going in the design. So we had to redo that. And my thoughts were that, okay, we're going to start this construction and we have a very limited time to get it done. 
and I don't want to be here when, when the baby shows up and just making the noise that goes with the remodel project inside a home, particularly what we were trying to do. Uh, and sure enough, we were able to pull that off. We actually had the opportunity to, uh, the day that she was going to the hospital to deliver, we were packing up and, and cleaning up and putting the last drop cloth in the, in the chest and out the door we went. So, uh, that was one of those like, wow, we did pull it off. We didn't know we did, but we did. So can you share without giving away, I guess, uh, who it is that uh, was your client? I'm curious, what, what about the sex of the child changed in the design? Like if it was a girl, we did this versus if it was a boy, we did that. Well, they had three boys, uh, and we were reworking the, the bedrooms, uh, in such a way. And we had two options that we had considered initially, uh, yeah, whether to go up or whether to develop, uh, the, the basement area into to, to bedroom space. And so when they realized, okay, if we, if, if it's a girl, then it changes what we're going to be able to do. Uh, if it's a boy, it becomes easier. We can stay kind of on the course that we're on. So, um, that, as it turned out, it was girls and that just changed the direction we were going right. we go back and, and revamp everything and, uh, on the design side and, uh, and then get them what they needed to have, have done. Um, uh, yeah. like, yeah. So you have three boys, right? Yeah. And I've got three girls and one boy. And I will say there is, there is a distinction in, the, um, in the way they co-mingle. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, having, having an, uh, the odd sex in there changes it. Yeah. So if there was a home owner listening and they were thinking about improving their home for whatever reason, uh, investment, which is a, a big reason, especially today with the housing market. Daryl, when people come to you for renovations, most of the time I would, I would imagine it's, uh, it's for pleasure of the space. We we're living here. We want a, a space to be different. Um, but there's a huge impact on the value of the home after somebody invests in remodeling, right? Um, do you have, are there any statistics or are there any cases where you've seen that a person spent, I don't know, make up a number, $50,000 on something and the home value went up $70,000 or there's got, I mean, there's, it's an investment you're not going to lose money on, right? Generally, yes. Um, the, um, the best study out there that, that that's done annually is actually, um, sponsored by the National Association of Home Builders. And they have a very detailed process. They, they don't do it themselves. They have a, a survey company that goes out and does this. And they have a systematic process through which they actually have contact with real estate agents and brokers across the country. And I believe a number of different regions, they break the, the whole country down into a number of regions and then uh, actually have principal cities that they actually go into as well and build the database from, for that. And their, their objective is to determine what the, the ROI is on certain types of remodels, whether it be a minor bathroom remodel or major, same thing in the kitchen. Uh, and they have a number of different categories. And again, this is done annually. And for the most part, it, it's, it's a good, it's a roadmap. It's a guide, guideline that we can use, that the homeowner can use. 
to determine if what they're thinking about doing is a wise investment. Now, with all that said, uh, there oftentimes, the, I mean, they use real estate agents for this. Obviously, they are the best source of information. Right. So uh, when that type of question comes up, we refer to this survey and we can provide them with the information. But we also suggest that because we're not experts in that realm, that they actually reach out to a real estate agent, or maybe even a couple of them, who are familiar with that particular neighborhood and that particular area and what people are looking for and whether this, this makes sense for them. But for the most part, across the board, if they're talking about improvements in the uh, kitchens or the bathroom, generally, or any of the bathrooms for that matter, the, uh, you do see a, a very good return rate of return on those areas. Uh, if there's a way to add a bathroom, that's generally even more of a return on the investment uh, per that survey. Uh, but again, we don't consider ourselves to be experts in that arena. We defer to, to the people who do specialize in the sale of those homes so that they know. Uh, but yes, for the most part, there, that's always, that's, there, there's a, cons a constituent of, of that process where the team want to know, well, now how much does it cost? Do I get my money back? And truly the answer is yes, at least mm -hmm. a large percentage of it, depending upon when you sell. Um, so, but also we encourage people that are going to be there because we have a conversation with people all the time about, well, we think we're going to be here for about five years. So we're thinking about doing this. Uh, maybe later than sooner, so we'll have it ready right whenever we want to sell it. And and my response to that is, well, that that's fine, and that's what you want to do. But you're going to spend a significant amount of money. Don't you want to enjoy that? So why right. wouldn't you go do it now? Because the value is going to stay with it for five years. There's nothing unless you want to do something that's 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 trendy and goes away, which we we try to encourage people not to do that. Uh, but the, the rate of return has been for a number of years, been actually very good in most of the categories. Uh, some of them going up nearly every year. So I, I wish you did the remodel for us before we sold our last house. So not a remodel, but we upgraded a few things at the advice of our realtor, right? It's going to help sell if we make this change and that change. And of course you wait until you list your home to put in the new countertops, to put in the new cabinets. Um, and I'll be darned if, if we didn't do that and sit there and go, this is beautiful. Why didn't we do this earlier? Ah, <laughs> oh, we did all this for the new buyer. That's terrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let them um, learn. Did, well, you're exactly right. Right. If, if you were my contractor in that period of time, I'm, I trust that. You would have shared that same sentiment to me and that probably would have swayed us. Um, what are uh, today, if you have uh, a couple in a home and again, whether they're thinking of uh, putting it on the market or an update or their family's expanding, um, if, if you could be in the living room with them as they're thinking about this, what are the things that, you know, you would encourage them to, to talk about amongst themselves and well before they reach out to uh, you guys, right? What are some of the things the homeowners got to work through first before they come um, and actually want to pull the trigger on something? Well, great question. Um, generally, look at how you want, as best you can, how you want the home to live after you do whatever it is you want to do. Uh, one of the the most common things that we that we have a conversation with a homeowner, particularly in a kitchen remodel, is 
do they want to open it up to the living area adjacent to it? And uh, th that conversation is typically, we always ask the question, if they don't know me, they bring it up to us first. But the, the in every, nearly every kitchen remodel, that, that is a, I say 80% of them, that is a component where they, they definitely want to open the kitchen up to the, to the living area. Um, so how you want it to, to live with your growing family, whatever your situation is there, uh, how much do you want to spend? Um, that's, that's a, a conversation that we typically have in the very first conversation because we, we have to define and that, that budget that you have, uh, will oftentimes define and dictate which direction that we go. And, and we can pretty much tailor anything that we do to that budget within reason. Uh, but also just do your research. Uh, and I will have, uh, research is not included, um, HGTV pricing model. Uh, the, um, I, I and I could preach all day on how, why that is the way it is, but, but just know that, uh, HGTV is great to show you what can be done and what works for what might or might not work for your home. And just, it kind of, it, it, it keeps the, the ideas fresh from that. We love it from that perspective. Uh, but the other perspective on the pricing side, we, we deal with, uh, sticker shock in a lot of cases with nearly everyone. Uh, and it's just, um, reality TV doesn't show up to be reality in that situation or maybe it's in that realm. Yeah. Well, there's in the other side of it too, is uh, schedule. Like I, I, every time <laughs> I see one of those shows, it, it appears from editing that the thing takes, it takes two weeks to do it. Um, and really it's, you know, several months or whatnot. Um, yeah, that's a great point. Is the elephant in the room most of the time price when you're, when you're, uh, presenting designs to a family or a couple or a homeowner? Is that, is that the thing that gets the most, uh, focus i would say it would get the most because people want the the function to to be right uh they want the aesthetics to be right but generally the the pricing is going to fall on that that top three or four list of most important things um and and it just you know it, it is what it is is the, the way we had to talk about it i mean we can again we can if if we if we have a number that we know the homeowner is trying to keep it within, then we can we can design for that, and we do design to that, to as best we can. Uh, but but and that's why we try like to have that conversation early on, so we can talk about realistic budgets. Because uh, if somebody's thinking about doing their master bath and they're hoping to spend ten to fifteen thousand dollars, generally that's it's not going to work. Um, it's gonna it's gonna be it can still be more than that. And the best time to flush that out is at the very, very beginning. Right. And, and it helps them from going in with an expectation that's unrealistic and then having that, you know, that, oh my God, happen if you can avoid it. Now, the, having that conversation early may stop them from even wanting to go forward because of, right, they're thinking, but I can't agree with you more. I think the, the sooner and the more transparent you can be. Um, with that is, you know, at the end of the day, that's the best thing for the, for the client. You, you mentioned kitchens opening up. Are there some typical design remodels you guys do? Are there more popular designs or are there trends right now that are, would be interesting to talk about? 
Well, the the one that I mentioned is the the, the opening up the more open areas. You know, if you, if you recall back when COVID started, uh, God, we, we ran into the pandemic situation and people were staying home uh, and working from home. There was this this thought that started to kind of make its way across media is that the homes, this open concept of homes is going to go away and that we're going to go back to a more segmented way of, of building and, and, and remodeling homes. And uh, initially, I could, I could see why people thought that because uh, we even had an increase, a dramatic increase in conversations we were having with our clients about office space, finding a, taking a space in the home and devoting it to an office because many of these people knew they probably weren't going back anytime soon and maybe not, not at all. So that's where we saw the, the conversations go. But as far as doing away with the open concept, we haven't seen anything close to that. It has been more people wanting to talk about opening those areas up uh, and perhaps carving out a, an area where you have more of a quote unquote private area for an office, but perhaps it's, uh, it's, it's taking in a dining room and installing some, some doors on it in such a way that you could actually utilize it, which we actually did do that for, for one, one client. Um, but for the most part, the, the trend continues to be open floor plans. You know, what mm. can we do to make this space live more open, um, more inviting, um, freer, if you will, to, to have conversations across different areas of the home. Yeah. I, I know personally we favor open. It seems like whenever there's guests, they're either sitting around the kitchen table, mm -hmm. um, at least some, maybe, maybe, uh, the older folks in the gathering and the younger folks are in the other room and it's not open. It feels like two different gatherings, but if it's open, you still can feel like you're together. Yep. So. Uh, Daryl, I know this is a long time ago to think, but if you could go back to when you were 25, oh. what? yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll edit the sarcasm. <laughs> um, what would you tell yourself? I love asking this question. You know, I, I probably answer it to myself all the time, but I love asking it just to see what what enlightenment people have experienced over, over time. So if you were standing in front of your 25 year old self, what would you tell them? You know, what advice would you give them? Oh, well, that is a, a fantastic question. I would say, um, be patient that success is a journey. Uh, it, 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 have to look at where you are as to what you're doing next and, and what your goal is as to whether when you reach that goal, then your success, it might not be the end goal. It might just be a, a stopping point or a, a benchmark along the way, but just be patient with that and just keep grinding. Uh, and certainly pursue something that you have a passion for, whatever that may be. Um, now you've got to decide what kind of lifestyle they're going to give you. Um, but, uh, you want, after having had positions in my career that I didn't enjoy very much and waking, kept, kept waking up in the morning and realizing that you have got to go do this again today and, and just longing for the weekends versus doing something that you really enjoy that you don't necessarily look at as work 
and you hear people say this all the time, but, but I've had the ability or had the opportunity to, to live it. Um, if I couldn't play second base for the Cardinals, I'd, I'd just soon be doing this. And so at 25, pursue your passion, learn all you can, be diligent, be patient, pray a lot, and just keep, keep grinding. Patient is a common theme when I ask that question. No, no surprise, you know, when we're that age, we want everything now. And the, the, the generation of my kids and maybe even the kids that are behind them and, and growing up is this instant with these cell phones and computers, you can get anything you want now. And, um, you miss the journey. And a lot of times you're changing directions before you really get to the point to where you're going to get what it is you're driving for. So it's not happening. I'm going to move. But later in life, we look back and we say, oh, I can see as clear as day. If I just would have stayed the course and been a little more patient, that thing would have taken place. It would have happened. Mm. But patience is a tough thing to teach a 25-year-old. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's tough all the way through life. Uh, yeah. it's, 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 it's a virtue that, uh, can be tough to hang on to. Um, well, last question for closing 21, which is still so surreal to say, mm. uh, 2022, are there particular goals for the business? Uh, are there is it growth? Is it just continue the recovery with the economy? Is it, are there particular things that you're working for in the next couple of years? Uh, continue growth as we've had this year, um, and then actually kind of spinning off of last year. Um, but also getting back to the, uh, finding a way back to the efficiency that we had before, um, before COVID. The, you know, we, we do now, we have some internal metrics that we look at and we're not quite as efficient and, and, and it's really things that are beyond our control. Uh, but we've been able to improve on those things because as I mentioned earlier, we've just adjusted to the things that we don't have any control over the, the, the supply chain issues. So we've just, we've taken a different approach to that. So getting back to that level of efficiency that we've had in the field prior COVID and taking that forward, regardless of supply chain issues and just making it a, uh, a, uh, a smoother process mm. through the production process. Yeah, that's, that, that is a good goal. And when you figure it out, we'll, we'll, we'll get back together and you can share <laughs> how you, uh, you got that put back together. How is the best way for people to connect with you or your firm if there's somebody else we can go through our website and there's a, a page on there that you can actually fill out just a, a request to contact uh and we will uh so normally it's me that reaches out to them when they first contact us to find out what it is they want to do um and the email address is, is dhughes at dfhughes.com so if you just wanted somebody wants to shoot me an email and just uh, start a conversation Perfect. we'd love to love to entertain that sounds good well, Daryl, thank you so much for spending um, some time with me today and opening up a little bit about Daryl pre-construction and um, a little bit about your family. I think I always find this enjoyable, and I'm and I'm sure those in the greater Birmingham area that 
you've done business with and those that you will be doing business with uh, would appreciate to get to, to get you to know you just a little better. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the invitation. Enjoyed it great. This is a lot of fun. Good deal. A big thank you to our guest today, Daryl Hughes from DF Hughes Design and Build. If you're in the greater Birmingham area and you're looking to make some improvements to your home, reach out to Daryl. I'm sure you'd be very pleased with the results. If you know of anyone that might make an interesting guest on this show, please let us know. You can contact us at booking at trenches.live. We appreciate any feedback you can give. Thanks for stopping by and having a listen. And remember, win the day.